Let's try it again. Good morning to those of you who are online and on campus today. We're grateful that you're here. Uh, every time that we come together, God has great plans for us, and already God has been ministering to us, and some incredible things have been happening. And uh, we're grateful that you're here, and don't, it's not over yet. God still has some things in store for you. We're going to dig into God's Word as we begin this series on Thanksgiving, and we're going to be referencing a lot over uh, this month what it means to uh, live in the kingdom of God. And Jesus talked about the kingdom of God in three levels. He said that the kingdom of God was at hand as he was speaking of, of his presence on earth. Uh, he said the kingdom of God is coming. There's, there's a dimension of the kingdom of God that is uh, on its way and is always coming and moving into uh, the, a closeness to us, a, a permanency of the kingdom of God here on earth, referred to again when we get to the book of Revelations, when uh, finally uh, that scroll is completely uh, unrolled, all the seals are broken, and uh, it says, I think, and I think it's uh, Revelations chapter 11, verse 15, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and God, and it is finished for good in the sense of uh, the dominion of sin here. Uh, Christ sets up uh, his kingdom here for 10,000 years, there will be a little season after that where the enemy is allowed to tempt. But for all intents and purposes, we're starting to see the kingdom of God and the rule of God in a way, in a dimension this earth has never known it. But Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. Jesus said that kingdom is coming, or it's, there's a permanency to that kingdom. But he said also to them, the kingdom of God is within you. And that's where we're really going to center over the course of this uh, series of thanksgiving is the kingdom of God within you. This particular message uh, dealing with being fruitful, we're going to start at the book of beginnings in Genesis chapter 1. We'll read in just a moment. You can find your way there. But last week I left my brother hanging, uh, asked our lead usher, Josh, uh, if he would stand and, and pass out these uh, Highlighters, because we've been encouraging you to bring your Bibles with you, and we love it when you can highlight scriptures and passages you can go back and look at, but we want to provide you with one today. We didn't give them all out the first Sunday that we offered them, so if you would like one of these fine highlighters, they're super expensive, um, we want to give it to you as a gift. Just raise your hand where you're at, and Josh will find you, okay? There's one up here in the front, and there's, you're passing some along the way here. I'm going to flip these guys, this one there. There you go. And Junior's going to be on the ball team, man. We're going to get a we're gonna get a baseball team or something going. We're, well, we're champions. Uh, how about that? Houston uh, and uh, those uh, Texas pride there, you know. I mean, some of you may be Rangers fans, but we still have pride for Texas, right? It's great that uh, we have uh, the World Series again. That's awesome. Great job. And... We are, uh, we act as fans as if we actually did it, right? We're like, we won! You know, it's like, well, we watched. <laughs> they really won. But we watched, and it was really incredible. Awesome. Uh, looking into your Bible there, Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. 
Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creature, creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your word. We ask that you would bring it to life for us in these next few moments. Lord, while I am sharing uh, what you have laid on my heart, you are laying uh, application to this on the hearts and the lives of uh, people in this room and online in very differing ways according to what they need to hear from your spirit today. We pray that we would just be sensitive to be uh, to the, the work that your Holy Spirit wants to do in us and that we would open to that and that the, the words that are on this page would come to life for us and we would begin to walk in obedience as you have called us to, that we might be dominion creatures. Lord, those who you have given dominion to and we might learn how today to operate better in that. And we're going to be careful to give you the praise and the glory for that in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, look at your neighbor as you're being seated and say, You're in charge and you didn't even know it. The creation account is uh, laid out for us from Genesis 1 1 to Genesis 2 3. And the outline of the book really falls into kind of two parts the book of Genesis. It's the first part, which is the creation uh, aspect of it, Genesis 1-1 through Genesis 2-3. And then the second part of it called the generations. And that's the start, that starts in chapter 2, uh, verse 4, and it moves on, and it follows the history of mankind. And uh, we could say, I guess, then, that Genesis 1-1 gives a, a good general accounting and an inclusive account of creation. Because it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You cannot get any, make any broader statement than that statement. It, it pretty much, it just covers every single thing. And to help you understand how that covers every single thing, let's walk through it. It covers everything that exists, whether you're talking about galaxies or whether you're talking about uh, nebulae or solar systems, uh, whether you're talking about those things that are furthest reaches from the universe in space or whether you're talking about the smallest grain of sand, whether you're talking about bacterial uh, microbe uh, on the earth, uh, absolutely everything was created by God. He is the creator of all things visible and invisible. All things means all things. Turn to your neighbor and say, God created all things. All right. It includes from various ranks of angels, from uh, life that we know on earth, the whales and the elephants and everything. It includes every form of energy, every form of matter, uh, the speed of light, nuclear structures, 
electromagnetism, gra gravity, it, it, uh, every law which, which, which rules uh, and operates was created in the framework of that, that moment and that time when God created everything, all things God created. Now behind the creation of everything in the universe is the living God that has eternally existed. It says in scripture, the opening passage that we read a moment ago, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God created everything and God said everything that he created was good. But it's important as we open this passage that we understand that God did not create the flowers and grass, the trees and fruit, the elephants and or ants, the mountains or valleys, the sea or the whale, the land or the sand in his image. Only man did he say, let us create mankind after our image. So it is only to mankind that God said, this will be the image bearer of the God of the universe. This man, this woman, who comes into obedience and follows me, will be an image for all the world to see me, a reflection of me in them. God established your great value from the very beginning and ultimately sent his son to redeem us once we had fallen into sin. We read about that great fall in Genesis chapter 3. And so great was that fall that it has continued throughout all the history of mankind. And as we read about the history of mankind, we read about uh, subsequently, shortly thereafter, the first murder. We read about uh, all kinds of horrible things that began to take place that God never intended should happen. He says in this passage, let them have dominion, talking about man, over the fish and the sea, over the birds in the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God gave man authority over the entire earth. The Garden of Eden was the starting point of that. And according to Strong's uh, concordance, that word dominion that we use in the English was radah in Hebrew, which means to rule or to have dominion, to dominate and to tread down. It's a very forceful word. And when you obey God's word, we know according to scripture that he's given us authority to rule well and to tread down the enemy in every area of our life. We went through that series when we were uh, looking at um, Ephesians and, and we, taught, we looked at how we were in sin and how God transformed things through Christ and how we have a new life in Christ and we need to live differently as a result of that. When you are in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. Sin and all the strongholds of it are no longer uh, empowered to rule over your life and be a part of your day-to-day decision-making. The cravings, the lust, the desires. You are free in Christ for those things no longer to rule over you, but that you might rule over them with Christ in you. With dominion, though, comes this huge and great responsibility. Responsibility. 
We are to steward all that God has given to us wisely. For we learn quickly that when we fall into sin, we give the thief what God gave to us. Every time we fall in sin, we give back to the thief what God gave to us. It is the reason that we spoke a moment ago about that that great document that is being unsealed uh, and and that, that Christ alone is worthy to break the seals on that document that we read about in the book of Revelations. It's the reason that uh, as, as we read through that and come to understand that at one point man had this dominion in which he was operating in in a godly way and then sin and man fell and the enemy took dominion and it then began to be described as the prince of the power of the air or the ruler of the earth in the sense that there is so much given back to him because man is not walking in the dominion that God had given him and so wherever we have sinned and failed and fallen we have given to the enemy what God gave to us. And it is the unfolding of that great document that will ultimately be revealed that all belongs to God. And that all of those who have illegally been here, the demonic forces, Satan himself, who have interjected themselves, who are squatters on the earth, so to speak, will be ejected legally because this earth is our Lord's, our Father's. Everything here belongs to Him, and He gets the final say. He is the just judge. It all belongs to God, and God had given us authority to to live out a good and a godly life. He provides, He directs. Our goal is always to, to be obedient to Him and to recognize that what He has provided is for us to steward for the season that we are on earth. So God created, it says, man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. This section unpacks identity of mankind and the scope of dominion uh, that God has given to the obedient. Identity is so crucial for humanity, and it is why it it is constantly under attack. Every generation has these huge attacks upon identity because it is so crucial to our understanding. When I was growing up, uh, one of the phrases they used to use a lot to help us um, in the church was they would talk about how we're king's kids. Our king is the king of kings, and we're king's kids. You know, we need to start living in the sense of understanding that we, we are of the lineage of a king. We belong to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We've been bought back into the kingdom. 
It was not intended to be a phrase that, that, that could be turned to lording over someone or acting inappropriately in manners, but it was, it was a phrase, a common phrase that was meant to be used to help us understand that though you're getting beat up in the world and there's persecution and people uh, think because you're a Christian you're weak or they have other things to say about you in terms of your going to church and being a Christian, that you really are in a kingdom and there really is a king and you need to be vigilant about uh, living in that kingdom in obedience to God. That's your identity. That's who you are. That's who God created you to be. Identity is, is so crucial that God imprinted your identity as a man or a woman into your very DNA, down to the very marrow of your bone. It's why that you can uncover a skeleton remains from 2,000 years ago and the scientists will, will, will be able to go in and, and examine those remains and they will be able to tell us whether that belonged to a male or a female. It was never God's plan ever to confuse you by creating you to be one sex but making you to long to be another sex. God is not the author of confusion. He created you with purpose. He, he, he designed you and formed you with great care. We're told in, in, the, in the book of, of Jeremiah that he said, he said to Jeremiah in terms of helping him establish identity, he had to go through this long series of don't, you know, don't fear man, don't be afraid of man. You know, I have called you and there's great things in store for you. But he begins by telling him, before I formed you in the womb, I ordained you. This holding the, the elements that are going to be you God said, I have divine purpose for you. I'm ordaining and anointing you to be. And it is, a, it is a, a lie of the enemy to try to dissuade, to, to cause a lack of, of identity or understanding. God knew exactly when He was forming you who He wanted you to be and how your life was to be lived out in purpose. God was clear about our identity from the beginning because then he goes on to say, then God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And everybody who has children, you know, says, amen, we're being fruitful, Lord. <laughs> and it's twofold for us as it begins there with our children and, and raising them up and, and being fruitful and not allowing anything to, uh, to diminish the, 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 the family that God has intended us to be. But it is also, uh, as a church, the newborns in the, in the kingdom that are coming to know the Lord on a regular basis and our responsibility to disciple them. We're living in a day that is, the enemy has used as a, a very effective tool to stopping procreation, the tool of fear. And he's used it uh, in, in so many ways to always paralyze us and stop us from being obedient to the Lord. But in particular, effective, I think, more recently uh, in, in the realm of those who would think of having children, those who come together as a family 
and they had thought about it. They had maybe at one point or another, but now the fear of whatever has paralyzed them and stopped them. After all, who wants to bring a child into a world where there is global warming or climate change and impending destruction? Or who wants to bring their child into a world where there's a pandemic and there's risk always of, of, of you losing that child to some disease that has, has, has reformed itself in some place and is spread throughout the world? Who wants to have a child when there is such financial uncertainty, when the global economy is being shaken as it has never been shaken before? Or who wants to raise a child when there is evil and violence on the planet? And men and women are being struck down for no cause at all, just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and we see it and we witness it on a daily basis. And children, innocent children, killed in schools, places we thought they were safe before or on the streets, you know, being uh, killed or murdered or shot. Maybe someone was taking aim at someone else and the bullet finds its way into a young child. Who wants to raise a child when there looms food shortages? When farmers can't grow enough food to take care of community? Who wants to have children when there is the prospect of divorce, a marriage that is not where it needs to be? It's not on the rock, it's on the rocks, and, and there are all kinds of things happening, and how can we think about bringing a child into this world? To the family, God said something here that is a voice that gets quieted by fear, but God says, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. One of the things that I want you to carry away from here today is how important your family is to God. And while there may be, you know, uh, illegitimate parents, there are never illegitimate children. Your family's future success or failure is tied only to your obedience today to God. Your obedience will trigger cycles of, of generational uh, you know, success and, and, and uh, advancing in the kingdom of God in terms of His provision and taking care of you. It doesn't mean you'll never have problems or issues in your life, but obedience will trigger a, an anchoring peace standing on a firm foundation of Jesus Christ, no matter what the issue is, or your disobedience can trigger cycles of generational bondage, curses, ultimately decay. Every choice has always had a consequence. Whereas your obedience will trigger breakthrough or ignite blessing or, 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 or break bondages and destroy curses, so too our disobedience will trigger things for our lives. God's framework for familiar success started in the garden. It was here that God gave specific and spiritual uh, you know, uh, instructions, and He also gave natural orders to the family. It is in the home 
the garden in this instance that we read about that where he shapes the foundations and enlarges your natural borders. You can choose to obey God and flourish, fulfilling God's word over your family's life and their legacy, or you can choose disobedience in God and, and you will wander in a, in a wilderness. We see it throughout Scripture. The choice is always ours. But to the family, God has said, choose to be spiritually fruitful. Choose to obey and follow me. I have a plan for every life and every season. Pastor friends that I've sat down with, we were discussing not long ago, generation behind us that's coming in to the pulpits and what it will look like. And I'm greatly encouraged. I really am to see, you know, because uh, from the outset, you know, when we look at it and we, uh, we see what's happening in, uh, in the younger generation, but really what's happening nationwide and worldwide, you know, and we see people, uh, their, their opinions, their ideas shaped in sin and, and, uh, and the, the idea of, uh, you know, the pressure that's on certain church structures, local church structures to appease sin, make room for it. You know, make a section for this or that that the Bible may call sinful, but we need to, we need to open up a section for this or we divide the church. We, we risk losing financially. We risk all kinds of things. But I'm seeing a generation who's standing in courage who believes the word of God over the word of man and is standing firm and strong. And what it tells me is that don't fear bringing children into this world. God planned for them to be here. Yeah. Amen. I watched my children. They've gone through some of this and, and I've watched them stand up strong and encourage and, and be able to make stands where they've been confronted either in the workplace or at school or wherever it has been to rise up and to make a stand. I was thinking uh, this past week as I was putting the finishing touches on this message about an, an instance where uh, Zach he suddenly realized that in, in, in this particular one environment, I'm standing alone for Jesus Christ. There's no one excited about the fact that I'm living for him in this particular environment that I'm in. And, and everyone is, is anti what I'm doing and they're pro something else. But I'm going to make the stand for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I firmly believe that God has raised up a generation. They know how to talk. They know how to think. They're prepared for what is ahead. And I'm encouraged by it. And God says to them, as he says to us, choose to be spiritually fruitful. Choose life in Christ. Future generations are going to depend upon our obedience today. Amen? Don't be fearful and not bring children into the world because your child needs to be standing in a particular place at a particular moment for God and it's going to change a whole section of our society. It's going to make a difference. Amen? Be obedient to God. I want to talk in the application side of what we've been discussing for us personally and there are four points I want to cover so if we're looking at dominion living, kingdom living, or living fruitful life, you can put it in any category you want, they all mean the same thing. Dominion living, kingdom living, or living a fruitful life. Let's 
touch base on a passage that uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. It's interesting, dominion is a word that is used a lot in these, these opening uh, chapters of Genesis. God made two great lights, the greater light to have dominion over the day and the lesser light to have dominion over the night as well as the stars. Exercising dominion, living uh, for mankind, falls really into two categories for us, practical application. First of all, the earth and its resources. The earth and its resources. We are stewards of the resources that are out there. We are not called to a giant panic. You know, uh, the gas prices are going up, you know, uh, solar, wind, whatever. Uh, We're not called to that. We're called to be at peace. The resources that have been provided have been provided, and we know a kingdom's coming, right? So before the resources finish up or whatever's done so that man can't live on the earth, the kingdom has to come, right? It has to. That's what what this is all about. God wants a living people, right? And uh, set his kingdom up on the earth. But we also know, we also have the understanding that this earth is going to be completely destroyed at, one, at, at a final point. It's, there's a, a restoration work that's going to take place, and we're going to get new earth and new heaven. And the new earth will probably resemble a lot of what we're reading in the early passages about the Garden of Eden and how God originally created it, and how it was originally to, to function, and mankind was to function on that earth. And uh, I'll tell you, it's pretty beautiful the planet we have now, right? Uh, I don't know how far you've traveled, but I've been places like, you know, Hawaii. Um, man, I mean, the greenery, the, uh, the water, and I'm like, it gets, does it get better than this? <laughs> I mean, this is absolutely heaven on earth. I mean, it's just gorgeous, right? And we are called to steward wisely the resources that God set before us. But with that base understanding, right? that the resources are here to be used. God placed them here. And with the understanding that we're not going to save the earth, I want you to throw your aluminum cans in the recycle. I do. (laughs) But I also want you to understand that you're not saving the planet. You're stewarding right now. The planet has a destiny. God's already judged that and decided The second part of of what we're talking about in terms of dominion, kingdom living, and that kind of thing is is the kingdom of God on earth. So the church and its function on the kingdom of God on earth. Through sin, man lost his dominion and his privileges in Christ uh, are restored as we come back to Christ and, and, and give him dominion over our lives. And so what is the role of the church going for the application of what we've talked about today. And there are four things I want to talk to you about real quickly. Number one, here's what the kingdom of God looks like. Are you ready? Number one, you were made to be dangerous and to fight against comfort. All right? Everything in us wants to be comfortable. Everything. (laughs) We don't want to stir up any fights, you know. We don't want to you know, raise up more demons than we can cast out. I mean, it says like, we just, you know, we want to find a quiet place, right? 
Everything in us wants to be comfortable, but you were created for mission. You were formed for family, and you are God's warriors. Look at Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 20. You are my battle axe and weapons of war. For you, I will break the nations in pieces. With you, I will destroy kingdoms. Right? Now, I'm not asking you to go militant and go blazing <laughs> a church. The way the church goes militant is through prayer. You were made to be dangerous, and the, and the best way you can be dangerous is to pray. People constantly underestimate this. You know, they, uh, I see it all the time on social media, you know, and unbelievers, friends of mine that I knew or grew up with or whatever, and they'll say things like, you know, I have something big coming up here, say prayers and, and good vibrations and have good thoughts and stuff like that. Man, you're, you're inviting me to pray. <laughs> Something's about to happen, <laughs> right? Something's about to rock your world, right? I don't know anything about good vibrations. I'm feeling those good vibrations, right? It's, they've been useless in my life, but I'll tell you what's been powerful has been prayer. When people have prayed for me, the circumstances have shaken. Things that I thought were absolutely impossible, absolutely impossible, there's no way. God made a way when people prayed. You were made to be dangerous, be dangerous, and be a tool for God in your prayer life. The second one here is you must be tested in order to, to prevail. You must be tested in order to prevail. The trials of life, the adversities that we face, force us to turn to God and to deepen our knowledge of Him. Job chapter 23, verse 10 says, But He knows where I'm going, and when He tests me, I will come out as pure gold. Part of the process is going forward for kingdom life for us individually and for us as a church is that there will be adversity and there will be trials that we are going to face. It's important that when we go through these, we go through them together and that we show our family who God is facing life's challenges with faith and not with fear. Don't let fear stop you or paralyzing you, you from, from doing what God has said to do. Show people that there is, there is someone who's more powerful than their fear. If you want to have fear, be afraid of what, what uh, Peter said he was afraid of. I'm fearful for me to fall into the hands of the living God. I'm more afraid of him than I am you. I'm more afraid of him than I am politics. I'm more afraid of him than I am of pandemics and diseases and everything else that might happen. I fear God and I'm going to obey him. I'm going to stand strong and firm in God, and I'm going to demonstrate what it means to live in a kingdom that is different than the kingdom of the world. Third thing is, trust God's strength, not man's. Strength in weakness is, is one of the themes of the Bible. Uh, when I was first getting together, you know, uh, we were meeting uh, the elders here, and, and a reoccurring thing that kept coming up with us because we were facing some giants was the, the, the story 
of Gideon, you know, and he's gone out and he's got this great army, you know, he's got what, 22,000, I think it was, men he's taken out with him, you know, and he's, he's so excited. Look at all these guys that want to fight, you know, and God keeps paring his army down. He gives him a series of challenges and the, and the last one ends and, you know, take them down to the brook and they're, they're drinking. He says, now everybody that laps like a dog, you know, tell them to go on home and stay with their families and everybody who picks up the water and drinks it and looks around vigilantly kind of watching take those guys those are good and uh so Gideon's like how many did you guys count that were doing it the right way and they said 300 he's like bummer <laughs> bummer <laughs> it is it was it was our recognition early on that this was not going to happen by might it's not going to happen by power but it was going to happen by the spirit of God he's the one and it's always a, a, a reoccurring theme about dominion and kingdom throughout Scripture. Is 2 Corinthians 12, 19. In your weakness, people are going to find me. God chose, um, who, who did he choose to, to be leaders of us? You know, like uh, our pastors and elders and leaders and things like that. Who did he choose to be spiritual leaders? Well, he took the weak things and the base things and, you know, it's... it's he, he said, I'm going to use those, so I'm going to take the things that are foolish, and, and I'm going to show the world, if, if this guy can do it, <laughs> you can do it too, right? There were times when my brother and I were working together in ministry, and there were times I was so discouraged. I came home, and I thought, you know, we're just a couple of clowns, man. We don't know what we're doing, <laughs> And then we would show up for service and God would just do this incredible thing, you know, just pour out his spirit and do something. And we had no ability to take any credit for it. I, I remember serving uh, on the campus at Canyon Ridge, you know, uh, when we first got there, I was just one of, of 10 pastors, full-time pastors. There was a big staff, 88 workers there, 3,300 people, I think, when I first started, over 7,000 when we finished. And I remember, you know, having conversations with the pastor uh, about these horrible mistakes that we had made, things that we had done as a church that, in, you know, in, when I was a pastor at, in Phoenix, if I had done any one of those things, it would have split my church in half. You know, it was just accidents, not, not purposeful things, but just clown things that we did that were so foolish. One of them, as an example, was we had this huge, huge, um, you know, uh, put a lot of money and effort into it. We, we brought in tents, and it was, a, it was called Serving Sunday. And so everybody was encouraged in, in a series of messages, you know, and then this, on this ending Sunday, we were all going to go out into the uh, front on the main campus, and we were going to fill out cards about how we want to serve the Lord, right? And so we had these, these beautiful cards put together. Do you want to serve in children's ministry? Do you want to serve in youth ministry? Do you want to be on the media team? Do you want to, you know, they even had writers. So do you, want to, do you want to write? You have gifts in writing and things like that. You know, um, you know do you want to be a part of a teaching team and all in children's ministry? On and on like that. You know, and people were just so excited. They came running out of the building and they were filling these cards out. And so the next week, we gathered a bunch of, there was more cards than we expected, right? Because just just tons and tons of cards, you know, thousands of cards. And we're like, our staff can't handle this. So let's get some volunteers. So we started getting volunteers. Well, the instructions that were given to volunteers were, were not always good instruction. And so what wound up happening, it happened to us first, and that's how I knew that it was, that it had happened, was uh, we went to our mailbox, you know, to see, you know, hey, how, you know, who wants to use us and, and, you know, where are we going to get to serve? 
and I pulled the letter out and I opened it up. And there is no letter. It was just my card sent back to me. The card that I filled out and gave to them, they sent it back to me. And I was like, is this rejection? Is <laughs> and then the next thing that hits you is like, how many people got their card back? Almost everybody. You know, and I'm thinking, if that happened in my church in Phoenix, <laughs> split, you know? Like, he doesn't want me to serve, I won't serve. I won't be back. See ya. All it did for us was like another 200 people walk in the next Sunday. It's, it's unbelievable what God can do in your weakness. It really is. When, when you are a, a failing and making mistakes, it's, it's absolutely incredible what God can do if you'll just obey Him and just give an effort. Just try and, and watch God show up and make up the difference where you fell apart. And man, people began to volunteer, even though we made a huge mistake, and uh, begged their forgiveness, you know, and, and it, was, it was incredible to see how, how positions began to get filled, you know, that I needed a bunch in the resource ministry, and, and just a bunch of them came in, and, and I'm talking about really capable, good people came in to serve, and I just had no ability to take any credit for it, just like Gideon with 300 men, had no ability to take any credit for defeating a 22,000 army uh, enemy, you know? He had no ability, like, I can't take any credit for that. That was totally God. You know, we just kind of showed up and obeyed God and did what God told us to do. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that happens when you and I will obey God, even in our weakness, God will show up. The fourth one here, practical ways that we live this out Make disciples. Now listen, it begins first in your own home. Your children, make disciples. Teach them, raise them up. Uh, lead them in the, in the presence of the Lord. Teach them the scriptures. Uh, leading our family. I love that, that video we watched uh, you know, before this all started. It's the, you are such a key piece. And not just as a parent, you know, but we talk about this when we have baby dedications. All of you guys are family. You're all family. You're, you're a part of the family of God. And so, you know, you, you are my extend, extended family to my kids you're, and my grandkids. You're like aunts and uncles and, you know, grumpy grandparents. And, you know, you're all there, right? Uh, we all have a role that we're playing, and, and uh, the kids are watching this. And so it's so key for us to, to be together and obey together and follow God, leading our families in a, into a fully surrendered relationship with Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just stop there. We, we are not excused from discipleship, even if you don't have any children in your household, right? Uh, and if you do have children in your household, you are also required to be a discipler. We're never excused from discipleship in Scripture. 28, 19, Matthew chapter 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Our faith is, is to be lived out in a public way. You and I are called to be making disciples constantly. I love it when I hear that you guys are uh, extended pastors. You know, like I'll hear a story about, yeah, they took me out to coffee and sat down with me and talked with me. And I'm like, oh, that is so amazing. You know, uh, that's discipleship, right? Encouraging someone in their walk with the Lord and, and lifting them up. This isn't just a role of one person or two people or four people, but it is responsibility of the whole of the community of faith. We are to be there for one another, you know, and encourage one another. You don't know 
what's going on with the person sitting on the same row as you or seated behind you or in front of you, but you need to ask, okay? You need to ask, and we need to be discipling and encouraging one another. But we also need to be finding those who are hungry that are around us, that God has strategically placed you in your workplace, in your school, uh, in your neighborhood. Just telling Michelle this morning, woke up with this conviction that the neighbors to our left and right, we made a lot of promises to them. We had recently moved to the neighborhood. We're going to get together, but we're going to make that happen in the next couple of weeks. You know, it is our role, our job to, to encourage and to plant and, and to do what we can to bring people to know Jesus Christ. Time is running out. I want to invite our worship team uh, to come. Fruitful over fearful. Fruitful over fearful. Obedient to God, no matter what the circumstances look like around us. The kingdom of God on earth, you know, it has, has dominion here through his church. And it's up to the church to reveal the kingdom of God to the world because the real kingdom is coming down to settle finally once and for all. And it, and it shouldn't be a shock to our world. When, when Christ sets foot on the Mount of Olives and his rule begins, you know, they should see what that looks like through the church right now. We should be showing them. When we go to prayer, I felt uh, in particular a kind of burden to the Lord to pray two ways for people. I'm going to invite Michelle to, to join me in the front. I want to pray over people, uh, families today, or people, maybe, maybe a couple that's here that you want to have children. Uh, but either you have not been able to have children or you're fearful. And maybe you're, you're expecting a child or thinking that may be coming, but there's fear and uh, you're worried about what the world looks like and what's going on and what, what kind of world are we bringing our child into. And the, the first thing I want to say to you is God's plan for this child. God has planned for this child. Um, They're going to be a warrior. They're going to be... Um, you know, if, if you lead them right, they're going to be exactly who they need to be in this generation. And uh, it's going to be incredible and awesome. So, first of all, couples who either want children or are expecting children, but there's, there's fear uh, that has kind of paralyzed you a little bit. The second one here is if you've been uh, trapped in fear in one or more areas uh, of your life looking forward in terms of obedience to the Lord, it's been a real fear trap the enemy has, has laid in front of you. And, uh, you know, you might be looking at it, and for you it's financial. There's just no way that's ever going to happen. You know, the thing that God's spoken in my life is just too, you know, there's no way where that's ever, that's impossible financially. Maybe it's, you're saying it's impossible intellectually because I, I just haven't grown to the level to understand, you know, how to be a leader there or to do what God has called me to do. And uh, God is really... Uh, this is really all about expelling fear. God is really uh, all about this morning pushing fear completely out of your life. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind that we can respond in obedience to the Lord without fear.